Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out... To the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here with another Ion Travel special podcast. What is it going to be like to get on an airplane again? What's the new definition of cleanliness? What about the dreaded center seat? Can you eat, even drink? Recently I sat down for CBS Sunday Morning for a discussion with the executive chairman of United Airlines, Oscar Munoz. Here's the extended version of that conversation. So Oscar, we started this year 
with an estimated record number, like 1.4 billion people about to cross an international border. You guys are going to fly 1.7 million flights. And then, boom, COVID-19 shows up. You drop 95% of your schedule. You park 450 of your planes. At one point, your passenger demand dropped 95%, even higher, I think, at one point. So when you were bleeding $100 million a day, you know, this is something you never prepared for. No, it, it really isn't. You know, it, uh, the, the previous sort of black swan event, uh, to use that terminology, was 9-11. Uh, this is three times the severity of that. And, and clearly, it's been impactful across not just the U.S., but the world. I've seen the estimate that on this particular month of May, you'll fly fewer people in this entire month than you flew on one single day of May last year. Yeah, unfortunately, we're setting a lot of records of that regard, right? Um, and it's unfortunate. And uh, again, the important part of, of our activity is to ensure uh, passenger safety. I mean, it's just it's such a critical thing for us. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. Again, a little bit of a chance to uh, to talk about that and also the future. Well, given those numbers, tell me, what's the stark reality here? Because you said passengers won't bounce back when this is over. They'll inch back. Yeah, they certainly will. I mean, we've had a lot of history, unfortunately, in this business um, with experiences like this. Probably SARS is the most recent sort of similar event back in the early 2000s. Uh, that took a good eight or so months to fully recover. This CD19 is infinitely more insidious and global and, and fear that uh, absent a vac vaccine or herd immunity, uh, there'll be a, a slow uh, inch by inch, as you say, sort of return to demand. Now, we, we are going to plan for the worst, and, and hopefully it's better than that. But uh, we are an industry that requires a lot of early action to ensure we are here afterwards to serve you. I mean, we came from an era where we just took uh, you know, air travel for granted. How has that passenger behavior changed, and how do you see that going forward? Well, the way passenger behavior has changed is that people just aren't flying, right? For the various restrictions, uh, everything that's in the media, people are, are sheltered in place. Uh, so clearly, there's a hesitancy. Uh, there are people, slowly but surely, beginning to fly again. But importantly, and increasingly, the request is, what are you doing to ensure my safety or my employee's safety? And I think we've been very vocal with all those various things. That we were the first airline to require our flight attendants to wear face masks. And then importantly, the rest of the industry joined us with regards to requiring face masks for all passengers, which of course is different. Um, I think the important part is, um, you know, things like the filter in the aircraft. Those are really important sort of high-grade, hospital-grade kind of filters. So the air circulation is relatively safe. Uh, at United, we're doing electrostatic spraying. And by middle of June, we'll have every single aircraft done uh, to ensure that every turn, that, that flight, I mean, that aircraft is fully cleansed as much as we can. So how does that affect your schedule? Because even though you said you're going to come back as a smaller airline, in terms of scheduling individual flights, it means as every plane pulls in, you got to clean it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just turn it around 40 minutes. No, you're right. And this is the one, this is the great thing about our company and our folks. Um, we can turn them fast and we can turn them in, in the right amount of, our network schedulers will, will take all of this into account, again, to ensure that we're able to do all the proper hygiene to make sure that when you get on, you're safe. Now, there'll be some inconveniences. Uh, I think people forget that, you know, just a few years ago, we didn't have to deal with TSA. We didn't have to deal with lines. We didn't have to deal with IDs. Um, so there will be additional sort of what everybody likes to refer to as new normal activities. Um, our delicate balance we have to strike is how to improve your safety, guarantee your safety, but also the gracious, warm hospitality aspect that you come to expect from Fox, uh, United Airlines. Well, let's talk about this. It's not just a question of when people are going to come back, but how they're going to come back. So walk through for me what you think the airport experience is going to be and then the airline experience for your passengers. 
Well, I think it's an important distinction because the, the travel journey in our mind, my mind, starts at the airport. And so things have to be done and we have to work collaboratively with the U.S. government and other agencies to ensure that that safety angle begins right when you enter the airport. Um, I'm in close contact with the head of TSA and they're already thinking about social distancing aspects with regards to the security line. How do you... Let me, ask you that, let me ask you that question. When you're dealing with social distancing in the floor plan of an airport, you got to keep six feet across from each other and you've got, you know, temperature checks being done. I mean, one airport had thinks it, the lines could be like a, a mile and a half long. Well, this is back to customers possibly returning on an inch by inch basis rather than that. I think we will have ample time to develop all the right logistical mechanisms and flow to account for initially a smaller flow of demand. And as it increases, I think we'll be able to develop plans accordingly. So we will be able to social distance and security lines. Our, our, our boarding gates are going to go through massive, uh, you know, re, re sort of formation to ensure that we're just not putting people next to each other as much as possible and as much as we can. At one point, I think you had, what, 24 different boarding groups? I'm kidding. But you, you, had, you had at least eight. What are you going to do with that? I mean, the, the only people that weren't listed in the boarding group were people with personality disorders. So how do you do it? Yeah, so, so it's, that's the interesting part. You're going to have, we have, we, we fly almost 180 million customers a year. And inside those groups, there are frequent flyers who understand everything, use their digital device, are relatively touchless today with regards to many, many things. But a bulk of our customers, uh, and they're great, they only fly once or twice a year. They're not used to all the different designs. And they do just, you know, they see a line, they queue up, they see an area and an empty seat, they go fill it. And so I think it's important that uh, we begin to educate folks on how better to do that. I think the social distancing that we've been experiencing, the shelter in place, I think it's definitely put a mindset in folks that they're now not interested. Um, Seatbelts are a good example. I mean, you and I grew up in, a, in an era where we didn't have to wear them, but for the last sort of a few decades, we've had to, and it's become, quote, the new normal. So spacing, distancing, allowing you options about when you touch people and when you don't and how you can make, we will give you all those options for sure. Well, you know, we've gone from FOMO, fear of missing out, to FOGO, fear of going out. So in the absence of widespread testing and a workable, scalable vaccine, how do you get people to come back on your plane? Yeah. You know what? Uh, we get asked that a lot. You know, what kind of marketing, what kind of, dis, you know, what kind of a discounts and all that? We're a corporation, we're a business, we want you to fly, we certainly want you to fly United. Uh, but it's, I think it's very critical to make sure that we understand that we're not trying to force anyone to do anything that they're not comfortable with. Our job is to make you safe and secure and, and, and secure enough that you're going to get to a certain place. So I think for, for a short period of time, I think we should all as an industry focus on your safety. One of the things that we've proven in our industry, and hopefully it will continue, that we don't compete on safety. We compete on a ton of other things, but making sure that people are comfortable in flying, regardless of the airline, I think is a really critical point, And we try to do that. An example is we, we sort of came together with regards to face masks for all passengers. Um, and so hopefully you'll see more and more of that. And so, um, you know, promoting things, I think, has to be based on more the safety aspect. Um, we fly to places uh, like everyone else that people need to and want to go. And I think increasingly over time, they'll get more comfortable. Um, there is a pent up demand as you see it now. But again, it's important. We're not trying to promote you to travel. We are trying to make sure that it's safe for you when you decide to do that. And frankly, to make it as flexible as you can. But of course, you know, you're an airline that needs to rely on a sophisticated playbook of algorithms and big data uh, to try to figure out where I wanted to fly, when I wanted to fly, how much I was willing to, to pay. Is that playbook out the window now? You know, I think... Um 
you know, if you think about the history of that particular mechanism, the algorithms um, regarding our, our flights and our schedules and our pricing and our various segmentation, I think those are evolutionary to the basic initial revolution of just the digital age that started uh, more, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So we built a foundation of data and data warehouses that our apps can evolve from. I think in this new normal, we're going to see a host of new developments, a new activity, new ways of interacting. I, I think I think I may be wrong by a fraction here, but I still think two thirds or so of our customers still want a paper boarding pass. Right? That is probably going to change. Not because we force it, not because we make anything, not because we make any change that you can't have one. I think people generally will be more focused on, hey, what is this? You know, what is this device and what's in it? So I think a lot more things we're going to do that. So tell me what you're thinking about about going forward. What is my experience going to be? Other than there may not be a, a paper boarding pass. Yeah, I think uh, well, clearly the boarding area, the boarding gate area, which is often crowded. We're going to make sure that that's a little bit more spaced. Uh, we're experimenting with we call touchless kiosks, uh, in essence, with, with your device or, or with, you know, visual recognition, clearly biometrics of some sort, um, where you, in essence, walk into our aircraft with all the information that we need to have without actually having to see or touch anyone. Now, we'll always, warm, gracious hospitality is an important part of our process. So we'll always have someone around to assist and help you uh, for people that aren't comfortable with that, but I think providing those options. So we are, we are doing all of those uh, testing with regards to that to biometrics, to touchless kiosks, to kind of different boarding mechanisms, different seating arrangements, uh, and trying to work in the confines of the small, small space that we have. All right, so let's talk about that. How do you do social distancing with a floor plan on a plane that is by definition a confined space? Yeah, no, that's going to be a, that's going to be the most interesting development, which is which is you know the, the space is what it is, and so why it's going to be so important that we get even better at the things that we're doing today with regards to the hydrostatic cleaning, with regards to the face mask, the way we're packaging food today. You know, won't continue forever, but we'll have to continue to develop those things. And, and as people uh, increase in their flying levels, um, we're going to have to be even more focused on how we ensure their safety. You almost said airline food. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, uh, as most people that travel and certainly it, it has continued to get better. It is not an easy task for our, our folks to uh, give you the fine dining experience that you that you'd like, which is why we've done it on the ground in our clubs and so on and so forth. But but yeah, I think we'll have to evolve around all those fronts. It's Greenfield, and I, I suspect that you know you know necessity is the mother of invention in so many of these areas, and uh, I'm sure we'll come up with delicious things for you to eat. In a, in a safe way. More like a grab and go? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that that is as warm and as gracious as we would want it to be. So that's probably an extreme to some degree, but that may be something that we do for a short period of time. And again, uh, the focus today is on safety and ensuring that uh, the amenities, the niceties that you've had before, I think those will evolve over the course of time. So I'm assuming no more pillows on the planes for a while, no more blankets on the planes for a while. Yeah, things of that nature, right? You, you saw that after 9-11, right? We took out cutlery, we took out sorts of things, and then people, you know, things eventually come back. Once I think once again, in this particular case, once a vaccine is discovered, uh, hopefully, you know, sort of the nervousness uh, sort of dissipates and we can get back to, to something that's back to the old normal, but things will definitely change. And then, of course, there's the dreaded middle seat. You know, airlines have been talking about, like, blocking those seats at least through June 30th. But it's easy to say that when you only have 20 people on a plane. What happens on July 1st? I mean, I don't see you guys pulling out the middle seat. No, no. I think, you know, while the, that quote, the 
concept of middle seat has become the topic or the, the title of, of this concern. It's more about, it, it's people expect because they read that flights are empty and then they get on a flight. And of course, it, at some point in time, it's full. I, I know at United, I think in the last month, 85% of our flights have gone less than half full. Only 1% have actually become full. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a small occurrence, but I think, you know, come later in the summer where things increase, uh, I think that will be harder and harder to, to your point, to sort of block anything, which is why all of these other items, the HIPAA filters, the, the face masks, the, how we manage all the other processes are going to become increasingly uh, even more important. So the middle seat is here to stay. You know, the economics behind that, and uh, it's been widely touted. The, from an international perspective, there was a study just uh, done by an organization called IATA that talks about the various aircraft and, and the economic impact of, of taking out middle seats or blocking middle seats completely. Um, and while it's economic in nature, um, it is something that's a fact, and prices would then indeed have to increase uh, by a significant amount. And that's always the delicate balance we've played in this space as an industry for a long time. And so it will be difficult to block those things. So it's important, again, to get the safety orientation uh, at a higher level. Well, speaking of pricing, traditionally, when there's been an economic problem, airlines have tried to discount their way out of it. Do you see a lot of discount prices coming out of this? You know, uh, one of the things that we do not discuss openly on any given forum is the concept of how we price our markets. So I'm going to skip away from that. That's been the dark science for decades. (laughs) Uh, There is algorithms involved with very smart people for every company trying to optimize the things that we do to give you, again, in essence, it's to give people option, right? The segmentation that we have today, uh, people think think of it in different ways, but it's for every every budget, for every kind of checkbook, we're trying to provide the, the best option for you and your family. So let's just recap my experience going forward here. I get to the airport, I'm going to be six feet away from somebody else. I get my temperature t- taken probably there when I go through security, probably by the TSA. Then when I get to the gate, you're going to have to figure out my distancing at the gate. That's everybody like, you can't just mill around anymore, right? right? And then no boarding pass. I get on the plane, no touch points. I'm not going to be looking at an airline magazine or touching a blanket or a pillow, correct? Correct. The Uh, the plane will have been thoroughly cleaned prior to me getting on. And then we're not going to be mixing salad at my seat, are we? (laughs) Importantly, you won't have a mixed drink at your seat, which may be more of a concern for many rather than the salad. But, you know, generally aligned on those areas, that'll be what people expect or want. Some will want more and less, and we'll have to adapt to that because we can't, you know, again, with 180 million folks flying, there's going to be lots of different needs and desires, but it's important. So how we do all of that and still provide a warm, gracious, hospitable sort of service that I think we can never forget. And so, yeah, in the near term, it'll be, it'll be along those lines. So speaking of service, how do you now reset uh, the airline passenger relationship? Meaning I, I saw a post on, online the other day that said, everybody says we're all in this together, but where were you when you wanted to charge me a $200 change fee? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's, it, our industry is, is difficult. Um, everyone has, uh, has experiences, uh, increasingly most of them really good, but invariably there are places where we could do better or people don't understand understand the reasons why we do these things. It's clearly about providing you the best service at the best possible price. Uh, But there are a lot of historical sort of rules of the game that have been created. I suspect in a world of greenfield sort of activity, I suspect you'll see more changes and more alignment on how we uh, indeed increase your 
increase the demand of people wanting to travel in a more simple fashion. Of course, there's that brave new world of airline refunds and people trying to get their money back on flights that you canceled at a time when you desperately need cash. Have you figured out a way to get people back their money? No, we're trying to provide as much flexibility as possible, right? We're trying to ensure that, again, a refundable ticket, of course, has always been refundable, period, full stop. So that's never- How many people buy refundable tickets? Yeah, you know, uh, more than you think. I think clearly our business customers uh, and a a good portion of them. But well, you haven't had a chance to do that. We're trying to be as flexible as possible, allow you time, allow you credit, allow you ability to change in any given day. So we'll continue to offer that flexibility. But does that flexibility include getting a refund? I think in some cases it does, not in all cases for lots of different reasons. But, you know, it's, again, as you say, it's, you know, the cash flow aspect of that is important to all of us. And it's, but it's also important to make sure that you as a customer are treated correctly. Now, other than the CARES Act, how are you trying to raise additional funds? Uh, Well, we've been in the market, as most of the industry has, in various shapes and forms. We've been very successful. Uh, United was one of the first to sort of see the impact or the potential impact. Uh, Importantly, when we saw it in South Korea and Italy over that fateful weekend, we saw our volumes, our passenger loads, and our bookings drop precipitously. And then sort of inferred from that action that, boy, when it hits the U.S., we're going to see the similar sort of reaction. So we immediately went into a, into sort of a hunker down mode, uh, went into the market, got a billion dollars of funding. Uh, we also cut our CapEx, we, all the right things that you, you have to do. It's become a, a race to how little cash you can burn per day uh, and then how we wait for that demand to slowly return in the right places. Because of fewer flights and fewer frequencies, some planes will inevitably be more full than others. You had a flight recently that you know, it went viral with somebody claiming that, my God, there was no social distancing at all. What have you done about that? Yeah, you know, uh, we've spoken to the doctor that wrote that and, and told him about our, our, our awareness. I think this is a time and a, and a situation and a crisis where everybody is looking to react in the right and, po- and best way. We are not, all of us across industry are never going to get everything right specifically. We've been trying to, in essence, soft lock middle seats. But what happens is that people show up. Uh, in this particular case, a lot of medical personnel that we are flying free from, from city to city to help out uh, with hospitals, a lot of them were coming home for the Mother's Day weekend. And so when people get on a flight, they want to go on. And, and so we had a situation where this flight was particularly full. Interestingly, the next flight, and it had, frankly, a much bigger aircraft, went with roughly 30 or 40 people. A, a flight that has 300 plus folks went that. So what we've done is, in essence, uh, if, again, back to this concept of having our app, we are going to let you know if you're flying on us a day or two in advance, hey, by the way, Peter, the flight that you're on seems to be over X percent full, 65, 70%. We'll figure out a number. If you're uncomfortable with that, there's a flight leaving three hours later that is, uh, you know, has really very a lot of capacity. And so if you're uncomfortable and your plans allow that flexibility, so that's what we've uh, sort of pivoted to, to ensure that you have that. Because it's, it's not a middle seat issue. It's a crowded plane issue issue that people sort of see. And again, back to the issue of everyone has a different perspective on this. And so we want to try to align and manage everyone's expectation. I think this new development for us allows you the flexibility. When in your history at United, did you ever think you'd get to a point where you'd offer somebody another chance to take a plane that was less crowded? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's our business to fill up aircraft. It's just the way the economics of the business work. But again, uh, you know, different times require different uh, approaches. And in this particular case, truly your safety is absolutely the best and allow us some time. Uh, We will not get everything right all the time, but the ability to quickly pivot as in this example that you just had uh, is a perfect example of how we're able to do that. The DOT is now allowing you, if you want to drop certain cities, uh, 
you're going to come back as a smaller airline. Do you, do you have any idea about how many cities you're going to drop? I mean, how, what is United going to look like three months from now? You know, listen, it's not about so much dropping certain places. Uh, we had some seasonal leisure uh, sort of destinations that probably aren't going to be filling up with people not necessarily traveling to those uh, areas. Um, we had several flights to all the different Hawaiian islands, and uh, we'd like to just limit it to one major flight into the big, you know, to Honolulu. And so we're making changes like that. I, I think it's very important um, that our service as an industry connecting people um, from all places in, in the country. It's still a very valued sort of objective of ours. So we're not just dropping things just because we don't want to do it. We want to make sure that we don't have five flights from five different airlines going to the same place. I think that'd be a helpful thing to sort of adjust everyone's uh, sort of flying schedule. And as a lot of airlines get smaller like you, they're basically retiring some of their planes. You've got a lot of park, park planes out there now. What are going to happen to some of your older planes like the 7.5s and the 7.6s? Yeah, you know, it's an infinitely more complicated conversation than you might think uh, because all these aircraft have uh, specific missions in our network that we do. And until there's a replacement for that kind of aircraft, it's not as simple as we'll just get rid of this one and bring in this one. So we will make all those proper decisions. We haven't announced anything yet. I know other airlines have done some things that, and, and with some of the aircraft that aren't a major part of their uh, of their broad fleet. And I, I suspect you'll see United do the same thing over time. I'm sure you've heard this quote before that if you want to become a millionaire, you start with a billion dollars and open an airline and you'll soon become a millionaire. So how are you feeling, Mr. Millionaire? Oh boy, I'll tell you, you know, the last five years as I've been at the head of this incredible family and company called United. We made some really, really positive movements ahead with regards to customers, with regards to our investors, certainly in the communities that we serve. And we created a great level of trajectory and value and future stake. Um, and, uh, and through no fault of any one of those 100,000 people that work that are part of the United family, this has happened to us. And so, yeah, it's tragic. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the new spirit of United, as we've dubbed it, uh, the concept of connecting people and uniting the world as our mission and shared purpose, I, I think still drives us in a lot of ways. And there's going to be a lot of change and a lot of effect on people. But, you know, we hope to use that goodwill to restore what we trajectory that we were on before. Now, you've already said to your employees that when October 1st runs out or comes up with the CARES Act, you may have some significant reductions in staff. No, that is one of the toughest things that you do as a business leader. Um, we could certainly um, hope that it's not going to be that way. Uh, there's, almost, there's almost zero chance that volume and demand returns to the 100% level. We fly 12 and a half times to China today. We fly 16 times to Heathrow. Um, there's just not going to be that level of demand. And of course, across the domestic space and connecting people, it's just an impractical, illogical, in fact, it's just not true environment. Um, we made the choice uh, to be open and transparent, as difficult as it is. We were the first to call this as an issue, and people didn't believe, and now we're, we're at. We're also saying that, you know, again, it's not going to be full. We don't know the percentage that it's going to be down, but we're trying to give people ample chance and time in these kind of interesting times to think about their future. And if there's something that they wish to do beyond this, it's probably an important thing. It's a hard discussion for us to have because we're likely to lose good people. But at the end of the day, we've built a lot of goodwill at United about treating people right. This may not feel like that, but treating them with the respect that transparency allows, I think is a critical part of who we are and what will bring us back. A survey that came out this week said that only 16% of U.S. adults said they'd be happily jumping on a plane the minute they got the green light. And perhaps most significantly, only 56% of them said they'd jump on it six months after they got the green light. What does that say to you? Well, it, it reinforces the concern that we've raised from day one that the, the tail on this is going to be rather long. 
absent a vaccine or some other known antibody antigen testing uh, or herd immunity, I think that's going to be the mindset of a bulk of people flying in the world, not just the U.S. And just we have to be realistic about that and have to plan for that. If it gets better than that, we also have to retain the flexibility to be able to bounce back and be able to fly. What message do you want to send to your passengers to give them the confidence and trust that they can come, that they can come back and fly with? You know, it's a broad, somewhat philosophical sort of view that we've always had as people that connect people around the world. A human connection just is an important human dynamic. It's just it's just what we've learned to do. What we've learned to do this uh, to meet via this. Um, you can't go see a loved one who's ill or a loved one who's getting married or having a child, it's not the same experience. And, and it's a simple human need to connect is going to come back. It is our job to ensure that that's a safe mechanism. And importantly, not for me to convince you, but for you to be convinced by the actions that we take to get you to that point. So not gonna promote travel, definitely get on planes. Of course, we think they're safe. Uh, we fly all the time, but it's not for me to say. It's for you, every single one of you around there that needs to sort of develop that trust. And that will come over time in different ways uh, for every single person. So it's gonna be a collective holistic process. Um, I, would, uh, I would tell people, uh, think digital. If you don't have our app or an app of your favorite airline, you should get that. This is gonna be an increased communication mechanism that'll assist in many, many ways. And the friendly skies? The friendly skies have been here for a long period of time uh, and will certainly continue. Uh, this is a, a great family of folks that just can't wait to take care of people and service you like the way we were learning to do over the last few years. And so the friendly skies will return once again. Uh, this is an industry that has gone through many, pit, uh, many pits uh, over the course of time and uh, largely have come back. And, and in a way, we have a management team and an organization that I think is uh, I'm really excited about. And with the new innovations, along with the existing sort of uh, gracious, warm hospitality that I've mentioned, I think, four times now. I think it's a combination of those that's going to bring everyone back. But mission statements notwithstanding, what's your biggest challenge going forward? Uh, frankly, um, and it's a, it's a tough word to use, and it's a tough word to use in interviews because it becomes the headline, but it's important that we understand the severity of this issue or how severe it could be, and we ensure that in every way possible, we have enough liquidity, enough cost management to, in effect, survive for however long this takes so that we can get back and return to the trajectory and the service levels that you've been so accustomed to having from us. The chairman of Boeing earlier this week said he expects that one of the big four airlines is not going to survive. You believe that? I'm going to defer uh, conversations about what people say in the media and openly because uh, I think it's important to be not only fact-based, but also uh, prudent and understanding of the broader uh, sort of ecosphere that the industry supplies. So I really don't have any comment on that. Well, then let me ask it another way. Is United going to be one of those airlines? Absolutely. One thousand percent. Um, we are geared, uh, we, we, we took on this issue earlier, um, increasingly, although tough, uh, I think our folks are behind us. We built a lot of goodwill with them over the course of time. Unfortunately, we're going to have to draw on that, quote, trust bank for a period of time. But it is our job to do all the right things to manage through this crisis. And then slowly, like the airline has done before, if indeed people are let go, to bring them back slowly but surely uh, to ensure that their lifelong careers and, and objectives are accomplished. And you're telling me no mixed drinks? 
for a bit of time, we will figure out a way to do all of that. I guarantee you there's going to be such incredible innovation over the course of time that we'll all begin to learn how to implement. And uh, our team is already working that in a small subset uh, because I think it's important to be ready and be flexible to come back at the right time. But uh, for now, again, the operative term is to let's get through this crisis for a little bit of time, you know, say a prayer or whatever it is that we do to make sure that not just uh, our industry, but that the world writ large becomes a healthier place. And all kidding aside, innovation, one mixed drink at a time. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Peter. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Oscar. Really appreciate it. My thanks to Oscar Munoz. And thank you for listening. For more interviews with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Ion Travel podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. You can also go to petergreenberg.com for the latest in travel news updates. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.